This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is Louis Newman. Louis stays very busy in Nashville as a full-time drummer, but is also the touring drummer with country singer Gretchen Wilson. Drumming for Louis is part of his DNA. He has a very interesting history growing up as the son of a famous English rock drummer, Tony Newman, who worked with people like David Bowie, Rod Stewart, and Jeff Beck in the 60s and 70s. At the very early age of two, Louis's parents moved to Nashville from London, England, and at the age of 15, Louis moved back to London to pursue a music career. In his early 20s, he ended up moving back to Nashville, where he has been ever since, and has worn many hats in the industry, from agent to manager and, of course, drummer. For a long time, his wife Gwen Sebastian and Louis had a band that toured around the country and performed in just about every scenario. And during this time is when Louis learned a lot about the business that helped influence him as a player and an entrepreneur. If you're interested in finding out more about this episode and all of the over 250 episodes that we've done here at Working Drummer Podcast, you can find us at workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes, where you can subscribe to us. You can also follow us and subscribe to us on Spotify. Check us out there. If you are interested in helping to support what Zach and I do here at the Working Drummer Podcast, patreon.com slash working drummer is where you can go to do a monthly donation that helps support what it is that we do. As we have grown, our expenses have grown along with us, and uh, we've been able to knock out a few of those expenses this year with the help of our patrons that are over there at Patreon. And if you do sign up to donate even as little as a dollar, you have access to educational material that we are regularly populating on that page that as a patron of Patreon, you have exclusive access to. Most recently, we did a masterclass here in Nashville. If Patreon isn't your thing, then we have a PayPal option on our website. You can go there and make a one-time donation. We appreciate everyone's help over the years in keeping this podcast going strong. Hey guys, at the top of this episode, we're going to take a little bit of time to tell you about a Facebook group page that was started by Scotty Schultz and Carissa Eldridge. It's called 19 Drummers Festival. It's a place during this pandemic, this shutdown, where drummers can go to perform and either contribute, donate to Music Cares, or set up a virtual tip jar for themselves to try and earn a little bit of extra income while we're all quarantined during this time. But uh, let's get right into it, and you can hear by this conversation we have with Carissa and Scotty some more details about what's going on. Check it out. Members of the drumming community don't have a platform where they could just like go live from their page and say, here's, you know, request songs and I'll sing them and I'll play them and I'll collect tips that way, you know? And so we kind of brainstormed uh, what would be a way for the drummer community to kind of unite and give, a, you know, present a festival uh, kind of atmosphere where drummers could be involved with this certain you know, place to go. Yeah. Um, you know, you oftentimes see 
I mean, even uh, in the in the classical world, you know, you have violinists that can go on and play, you have pianists that can go on and play, and then in our genre, you have pop musicians going in and playing. But percussionists get left out of that most of the time because they don't have a melody. They don't have something for people to cling to and to listen to and to go off singing along to. And this was our way of, of bringing drummers together and letting them play, not just for themselves, but, you know, to bring some awareness of that to other people. Is it just Nashville drummers? No. Anybody, anywhere, you know. Um, I'm originally, we're both from originally from Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And uh, I reached out to some some guys up there. Uh, uh, Connor McRae, who's a really good friend of mine, played on Saturday. And he tours with a band called Davina and the Vagabonds, which is a really like, actually, I was the founding drummer for that band. Okay. And they've gone international in the blues and jazz world and, you know, play, they've played Monterey and they've played, you know, some of the huge festivals that are out there. And he is just a really well-versed guy in like New Orleans drumming and jazz and blues and and he went on yesterday from Minneapolis, and um, uh, Dave Anania, who's another Minneapolis guy that I knew growing up, he's going to be going on this uh, this Saturday at 11 a.m., and he lives in Germany. Wow. Blue Man Group in Germany. And so, uh, you know, it's anyone, anywhere, and really, you know, we just want people to hop on there and go live and it's as easy as going to the group on Facebook and hitting the live button via your phone or if you're using software or whatever, you know, multiple ways to get it into Facebook Live and uh, and being able to to broadcast to the world on your own stage and have a live audience and um, interact with people. So. And really want to stress that it's open for, for everybody. It's open for all drummers. You know, we've we've put some featured artists together to kind of jumpstart things, but the the intention of this is for is for it to just be an open platform for all drummers to be able to go live and share. I love it. I, that's that's so great. And the response from what I can tell has been it just ramped up really fast. Overnight. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we put the page and the group together on Facebook and then I started just reaching out to people, Jim, Jim Riley from Rascal Flats and some other, you know, some other guys that Jerry uh, Pentecost, who's played with everybody from, you know, he plays with Old Crow Medicine Show and he plays with Brent Cobb and he used to play with Amanda Shires. And both those guys were like, yeah, what what time, what day? You know, and and we have more people that we're announcing all the time. You know, I I, I can only see it growing, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, No doubt. So I'm I'm excited about to see what what happens with it, you know. And and it seems like with uh, Facebook Live, you can go back and watch them again or you can still. They live on there for a while. I don't know how long or or what the deal is with Um, that. At this point, um, the way our group is set up is it lives on there until we run out of space on our group, which I, I think that's pretty a large amount of space yeah. <laughs> in Facebook land. So yeah, I mean, you can go back and watch any of the live stuff that's, that's happened so far and, uh, and then contribute your own. We're excited because there's some educators that are interested in doing some more masterclass kind of stuff. Yep. There's some, you know, unique percussion kind of uh, perspectives 
using like meditation techniques with percussion that mm. we're talking people on. Um, I may go live one of these days with my kids all jamming together in a drum circle. Nice. We'll see, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, man. Just so people know, it's, it's a place where people can perform and put up a virtual tip jar through yep. Venmo and PayPal. There's also opportunities for those that maybe aren't hurting as much financially that want to contribute. Mm -hmm. We're really benefiting uh, the charity Music Cares. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. They are near and dear to me. They've actually helped me out a little bit um, in this time as well, as well as other musicians um, that I know have been able to apply to their fund and receive some relief on getting, you know, their house payment or their rent paid or, uh, and, but with the amount of requests that they're getting for relief right now, we need to help try to replenish that fund. Yeah. Yeah. Well, count me in that list too, because they've helped me as well. So, uh, Facebook 19 drummers festival. Yeah, if you look up um, Nineteen Drummers Festival on Facebook, it's um, you can you'll you'll most likely find the page. Yeah, and then any of the playing, uh, there is a little group button, and it just says uh, go to the group on 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 there, and that's where all the live streaming happens. So, uh, and is there a schedule that you guys are sticking by, or is it changing weekly? We are. It, it's kind of. It's kind of changing. Um, uh -huh. uh, right now, what we're really trying to do is get featured uh, players to to go on the weekends. Um, but you know, if somebody says, "Hey, I'm free this Wednesday night," and you know, I'd I'd love to be a part of this, we'll we'll just put up a little post that says who is, who's going to be going and and uh, add it to the. Add it to the calendar. So. Sure, sure. Artists, but, you know, I mean, the, the biggest thing, I think, is that we want anybody to be able to go. So, yes, yeah. there are featured artists, but anybody can go up at any time. Yeah, we've received a lot of uh, messages, you know, asking how to be a featured artist. And it's like, you don't need to be a featured artist. You just need to go. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a loose term just to kind of like to maybe uh, maybe a, a recognizable name to a, a, a large audience, but in general, it's it's open to to the community. It's open to anybody that has something right. to share or, or wants to kind of showcase some stuff. And, and absolutely, and, and you've you've mentioned on there just so people know. I mean, it's it's playing, it's talking, it's educational, it's entertainment. It's soloing. Yeah. It's uh, playing along with covers. It's anything. It's, it's just. It's really anything. open. It's just you've really set it up in such a way that it's like, look, this is a judgment-free zone. There aren't rules. You know. I mean, I'm sure there. Are <laughs> don't go on and do some political rant. Uh, it's about drums. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that right now. <laughs> we don't need that. No. So there. Are, I guess there are some rules overarching, but um, really, the point is. Um, it's about community, and I, I think what y'all are doing is really great. I hope our listeners go and check this out, and I appreciate appreciate you guys, and I appreciate you um, taking a you know a few minutes out of your out of all our busy days to tell us. Yeah. Right, <laughs> you're 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 welcome. I pulled myself away. <laughs> my busy my busy day uh, consists of I'm gonna go mow the lawn and take a shower and do some drumming. 
Yes. And a really strong cup of coffee. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Well, Krista and Scotty, man, it was nice to talk to you guys. And, Good talking um, with you, man. Thanks so much. This is awesome. Everybody go check out 19 Drummers Festival on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Have a good cool, week. Cool, man. Have a good one. See ya. Right, bye. Bye. So here you go, my conversation with Louie Newman. What are we now? We're just a little over a month at this point. Yeah. Um, like the first two weeks... Man, I started to come a little bit unglued. I'm a yeah, yeah. I'm a workaholic. Yeah. And yeah. up until that point, um, if I wasn't on tour or doing sessions or whatever, I was probably playing, you know, 10 gigs downtown, which, you know, as you know, in Nashville, we are the anomaly of the world to have, you know, such a amazing amount of work that we can go do mm-hmm. and so i was just taking it full advantage of it and um a lot of those bands i was band leading so it was kind of like my deal and then it all just kind of collapsed i'm like well, what what does this all mean and then i'm trying to figure out you know what's everybody doing and if you turn on the news it's a big panic um and then like i had to get back to i'm a um child of an alcoholic and um i i do like a therapy program called uh, aca and i was like i gotta get back into my therapy here and i gotta figure out what this all means yeah and i really had to spend some time kind of recentering what i was and realizing okay i'm not what i do louie hasn't gone anywhere you know everything's <laughs> okay and um i was blessed i've got you know more food than i know what to do with yeah. and Um, I started to reconnect at that point. I was like, okay, um, since I've been, you know, I've always been obsessed with, you know, retiring early and having doing all. I'm like, here you go. You're retired. See how you like it. And, um, but now, man, I've come up with a, like a routine, um, that I've, I've been able to kind of switch the perception of my focus um, I've reconnected with, with God in a way I haven't in years. Mm. I've figured out what is really important to me. I've realized how much I, I really love my wife. Um, and I've fallen in love with drums again in yeah. a way I literally haven't in probably 20 years. I get up, um, you know, Gwen and I will do our morning routine. We'll have our, our coffee and we'll talk and like, it's nice just to have time to talk. Yes. And then yeah. I'll, I'll come out to my practice room. I'll spend an hour um, just doing rudiment stuff with my hands. And I, I downloaded this book called The Left Hand Drum Path. Oh. Um, and it's intense stuff, man. And again, like I think my practice is now all about shifting perception. Like I even noticed with this The, the Left Hand Drum Path book, um, it was like when you pull it up, it's like, okay, 200 beats per minute go and it is intense stuff you know it's like you know full-on marching band um with an emphasis on the the stuff we all suck at you know what i mean it's like okay accent the second beat of this double stroke roll um at this ridiculous speed and i haven't read music since i was in high school you know Uh like you know being in nashville and doing studios we do the uh, number system, you know, and it was yeah. like, okay, oh, these are actual quarter notes, 16th notes, 30 seconds. Okay. In, <laughs> in, tri- in triplet meter, let's go. Um, yeah. and so getting back into that and I realized, okay, we can all just slide our perception. I can't play it at 200 beats per minute, but maybe I could play it at a hundred 
or 75. Or maybe if I just focus on this one quarter note, it'll be fine. And like I started, instead of looking at the whole piece of music, looking at a note. And I think that's kind of uh, symbiotic to what um, is kind of happening with uh, the world as well. It's like, where's our focus? Mm-hmm. If we're focusing on the media and the news and all the crazy madness that's going on, on around us that's what our spirit's going to be about yeah and but if we focus on like what's important and for me that's my wife and my family yeah um and my drums and my spirit and my connection to things man i gotta be honest like i, I freaked a couple people out by saying this. i was like i'm really happy right now um i haven't had yes. this kind of time know, in so long I and I, I feel really connected I don't, I how are you doing dealing with it I'm in the same boat with you, man. Um, I, I I have two teenage sons, and they're out of school, obviously. And I have a, my older son is going to be going to college, and I'm thinking, oh my god, he's going to be gone next year. And we've spent so much time together as a family that I, I'm enjoying it, and I'm reconnecting with drums the same way that you are. I told my wife last night. I feel kind of guilty. I'm really enjoying this time, and I'm playing drums the way I did when I was a kid, where I would put on yeah. stuff and work on it and stuff that I want to do. It's really weird, and you and I are alike, and we got this Facebook thread what, a few months back where you were like, I love to practice. Who else likes to practice? Right. And I'm like, me. I love it, man. <laughs> it's great. Like, I, I mean... I'm I'm currently working through the the new Dirty Loop single because like I I heard I was like Good Lord these guys really really play and they play hard and they're young and fresh and I was like I don't conceivably understand even what is going on at this point um, but then I was like again well let's just take the first bar and now we've got all this incredible technology like as a kid. I remember like when I was, you know, listening to like Weckl records or whatever. And it was like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And the only choice was to just get faster because um, you couldn't slow the record down at that point, you know, unless you guys put it on a turntable, but um, really wasn't an option. And now I've got these, you know, these incredible apps you can put on your phone for, you know, 99 cents. And I can now take everything, um, link it up with a click track. And slow it down to 50%. I can hear each individual note that's going on. I'm like, oh, wow. Now I'm half on this piece of music. You know, literally a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't conceive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, and I'm learning all these new chops. And so the the study and the connection and like the reason I play drums has become so clear again of I love this instrument. It is I guess making a living for the next 20 for the last 20 years off of it has truly been a bonus because at its core level, when it's just me and this instrument, we talk and we hang Mm -hmm. out and we laugh and we get really frustrated and it's hard. But like the challenge of it is enough for me. Um, And I, I forgot that, you know, I don't know why. Um, I remember being a kid and just, you know, listening to records and going, I wonder how that sound is made. And um, I actually went to went to school with uh, Aaron Sterling. We were in high school and talk about 
like different things. I was all about, you know, chops and Dave Weckle and the whole bit. He's like, listen, if you take Coke cans and put them on top of your snare, you get this cool, weird thing. And I was like, that's stupid. You can't do that. And of course, now he's the master of making sounds. Yeah, he's like, wait, no, we could if we take our notebook paper and put it over the snare, it gives this cool muted sound. I was like, muted sound? Who would want that? I want mine to go ting. <laughs> of course, he, he was totally right about all of it but um oh my God, it hilarious. was just you know when we're just as kids trying to figure out what's going on yeah it was never about making money it was never about making it i i just wanted to you know get better at this challenging thing i i guess like maybe some of the younger kids coming up maybe they can equate it to like you know getting a new video game and like there's really no well, i guess some of our professionals now, so maybe that's a bad analogy, but really there's no goal other than your self-enjoyment. And yeah, so reconnecting yeah. with that, like yeah. uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine online the other day. He was like, are, you know, are you okay? Everybody's real worried about everybody. And I'm like, man, this is this is phenomenal. Um, I'm so grateful to have my career remo- removed. Hopefully not for forever, yeah. but yeah. Um, I'm okay, man. And I'm like, it, it's okay. And, and 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 I've always been a practicer. Like I, I feel kind of off if I don't pick up a pair of sticks, at least for a little bit yeah, um, every too. day. Me too. But like now I'll come out, I'll pick up the sticks for half an hour, do some work, go back in and hang out and then come back out and like, you know, just do it at my own leisure when I, when the spirit of playing is right. Um, Cause I'm sure you have it too. Like mixing in, you know, the profession of playing drums, mm-hmm. there's plenty of times I come out and practice and not here. I'm not into it. I'm not interested. I don't want to be in the room. My spirit is just not right. And now it's like I'm in the house. I'll, I'll you know, Gwen and I really, we, obviously we love, both love listening to music. I'll hear something that inspires me. Yeah. Um, and I'll be like, cool, I'm going to go figure that out. And man, it, it's, it's great. You know, I think we've just got to, remember our perspectives and i remember something a uh a spiritual leader taught me once was you know if you're going to place blame there's always um equal amount of gratitude that goes with it mm. and you know it depends on whatever it is it's like you know i could be um whatever whatever your trouble is you know i'm mad at my uh mom for yelling at me as a kid you know or whatever but then on the flip side is you got tough, and now mm-hmm. is a time where you need to you need to be tough. So you have gratitude, be grateful for those challenges right. that made you to where you are. And if you focus on the gratitude rather than the problem, man, it's like it's a piece of cake. When we were working, when everyone was working, it was on right. someone else's time. Last table. week when we all had futures, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> we. We, it was on, it was on, it was on, it wasn't on our timetable. It was on someone else's. And sometimes it's like, I mean, I love playing drums. I love it. I love it. I love it. But there were times when I would get ready to leave for a gig and I'm like, man, I just, I kind of wish I was staying home tonight. Not even just staying home and playing by myself. Like I wasn't always mm-hmm. into going to the gig and it sounds really selfish and it sounds awful, but. Um, I, that's where I think the rub is. And also people are like, you know, what if you can't do this as a living? I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that. I will always play, you know? Right. 
So discovering that. Yeah. I'm, Matt Chamberlain talking about that as well. And he was always like, it, it was, it's always been a, a bonus, the living aspect. Um, I think the specific thing he was talking about is like quitting the SNL gig, which, you know, to any of us, it's like, wait, you've got this huge format with these great players on the, you know, arguably one of the biggest television shows. And, Mm -hmm. um, and he was just like, I did it for a while. It was cool, but then it was time to grow. And he's like, he threw essentially his entire career out the window, Mm -hmm. but it didn't matter because his spirit was right. Like he knew that it was about growth with himself rather than, you know, just hold, he had done that, you know, so he'd done Pearl Jam. He had done all of these incredible things. And the reason he's Matt Chamberlain is because he was okay with the change. It was like the, the change has to happen and we have to go experience different things. That's why he, you know, is one of the top dudes is because he, his life experience has led him to have different stories and more stories um, than, you know, many of us and his ability to not fear the unknown um, has certainly, you know, led him to be one of the most creative drummers. I think, you know, that are out there right now, as far as, you know, making sounds and pocket, and you know, doing the deal, like he's the guy. And that's like, that's his life. You know what I mean? And I think for most of us, we'd be terrified to take a path like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that he just goes in it's cause he knows it, it's about the music and the music grows and the music just is regardless of what, you know, the world might have going on in it. It's like, it's going to live, you know, true unto itself. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. It's a crazy time, man, but, uh, we'll, all right, we'll get through it. We you know, will. It's just the way it is. You know, in our 20s, we're trying to figure out how to play, you know, this 64th note, you know, triplet pattern that really is completely useless. Um, And then now I've realized I love quarter notes. I love them. Um, I have no problem putting on a click track and sitting and playing quarter notes um, because that's my place. That's my note. Steve Jordan talks about like, if you don't give each drum enough time to really speak, it can't. You've just, you've essentially, there's so much, um, who was it? I think it was BB King that said, you know, if you just went around yelling at everybody all the time, they wouldn't want to talk to you. And so it's the <laughs> right, same, yeah. it's the same thing with drums. Like how can, you know, create, use my experience to know, okay, when I walk up to a gig, what do I really need to do? I need to move people. I need to actually create an environment to move people. It's not about me doing solos, although that's, you know, of course, that's what we all want to do is the look at me factor. But um, now it's like, okay, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to play literally the simplest version of this I can that feels good. And that the, um, you know, lady in the back of the room that doesn't know anything about, you know, anything um, you know, not a diss on her or whatever, but like may not get the conceptual <laughs> idea of music. It's like, how do I, how do I communicate with her and how do I make her feel part of the thing? And until you've gone through the practice of like going through the, um, you know, the, the Weckle zone that we all go through and realize that like, 
Dave Weckl's Dave Weckl because he's Dave Weckl. And that was like his contribution and that was his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, so now I've gone through enough life where I'm like, I want to find my voice. And I've realized I'm so much more turned on um, by the Steve Jordans and the Nate Smiths mm-hmm. um, who just, you know, have this great pocket and they just sit on it and they sit on it. And it's not that they don't have chops. It's right. they're choosing what to do with them. Um, you know, there's the great video of, uh, I think it's Weckle and Vinny and, and Gad all yeah. doing like the drum tribute thing. Yeah, and the like, Buddy Rich thing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and Weckle's just out of control. And then Vinny, Vinny adds his thing in there. And then like Gad, the master, comes up and he's like, watch this, kids. And just <laughs> nails this cowbell groove that just makes the entire room move. I know. And it's, you know I love it. I a love quarter it. of the notes the other two people have just done, although both masters in their own right, it was like, yes, that was the moment of that performance where I felt moved. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was like, okay, what's where, where do I go with this? What's my thing? So now, like, I find most of my practice is, man, I'll put Peter's record um, because I'm into feel like I, I've now got enough experience. I, I think anyway, without sounding arrogant um, to where I'm comfortable with a click. I'm comfortable with a click at, you know, 40 beats per minute or 30 beats per minute and 200 beats per minute. I don't have those uncomfortable places in my um, metronomic subdivision. If that's even a word, if, if not, it is now. And <laughs> So now it's like I want to go back and I, I'm I'm listening to meter stuff because it feels so good. But really, tempo is all over the place. Same as like Zeppelin records, right? Um, right. It rocks because it moves. Then that's music, and you know, uh, Vinny, who is without a doubt like he's my dude. I just idolize Vinny. I think he's such an incredible musician, and but he talks about like what happens if we go into a session. And he's the only one who has a great relationship with the metronome, you know, and he's got to lead the band. Um, and he was talking about, you gotta, you gotta be able to communicate. You gotta be able to talk with the click and everybody else in the room. And if it moves a little here and there, as long as you've got your idea of where it should be and you can be flexible as drummers, that's where we've got to go. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're there to make music. And I think, it's beaten into us so much that, you know, we are the timekeeper as drummers. We've all got that kind of precise mentality of it's like, no, that, that note's kind of flamming against the click. That's not right. Let's, let's do it again. And really maybe the flam is what it, it needed to be. And so, you know, as we get into the stage two of, of our career, I think it's important that we, we keep the idea of being musical and using our life experience to go, ah, that's a fun path that you're going down, and I hope you make it as far as you'd like to with it. But I realize my love for the instrument is like I want to create this canvas so that my bass player's got somewhere that he can be, and the yeah. guitar player's got somewhere he can be. And but had I not had, you know, 20 years now of sessions and gigs and um, a lot of very harsh critique. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm sure you've had it too. This business has broken my heart, um, in, in ways that like it, it hurts deep, but 
those lessons were right. You know, I've had bass players go, you know, please just shut up. Um, <laughs> and they, and they were totally right. They were totally right. So it might be harsh. So it's like taking all that experience and, you know, when you get it right, it's like, you know, when you set up on stage and you get with that right bass player and you, without saying a word, you guys both have enough experience in what you do to go, oh yeah, that's where we're putting the pocket. Yeah, um, yeah. and it, and you agree on that language, but you've got to, you got to learn your alphabet first, you know? So I, I, I don't think the things we were doing, you know, years ago were in any way less valuable than the things we're doing now. It's just our perception has changed. You know, what we feel to have value due to our life experience is now just, you know, slightly moved to the left or right. It's just, it's different. And we can communicate with a better vocabulary. Um, And I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, even see it now. There's a video I, I saw the other day of Steve Gadd just practicing at the house, you know, and he's just right. Yeah, got I've his sticks that. and he's just playing. Yeah, and I was like, yes, it. He breathes and it moves and it's like, oh yes, we could all probably do that sticking pattern, but you can't do it like Steve can. Well, it, and, yeah. I thought of something the other day because I think a lot of us are spending a lot of time behind a computer, either just starting to understand what a DAW is or yep. or fine-tuning plugins that we've been working with for years. Everybody's at different stages, but some of us are playing catch-up more than others on the technology end of things. And I was tracking some percussion the other day, and I was looking at the graph. You know, you know, we, have, I, we always bitch about people, engineers, mixing with their eyes, not with their ears, because technology oh, allows you to yeah. see the waveform where when I, the first time I was ever in a studio, there was no computer, you know, it was all the tape. And so everyone used mm-hmm. their ears. Well, so now we're all looking at a screen, and I'm seeing where, uh, it was a tambourine, I believe, and where it sit and where it felt right did not line up with the click, did not line up with the graph. But I'm like, but that's where it feels good. And it, right. and it made me realize, it's like, you know what? This is fascinating. This is magic. This is this is witchcraft. Um, it's a, right. that it's not all about lining things up. It's about really still making music. And I remember years ago when 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 software started to become more readily available. I was talking to somebody at a local music store, Corner Music, actually. I was like, if I get this software. Will it help me practice so I can actually see where I'm hitting the snare drum, see if I'm lining up with the click or not, and so I can then make adjustments? And the guitar player was like, well, I could see the confusion from him in my question because it's like, that's really not how it works. You don't just line up your kick and snare and hi-hat to the graph. It's more than that. And it's it's mm-hmm. the pocket is it's going to affect things. Now there's some kind of, there's just different schools of thought with that. And sometimes the snare drum is going to be out in front. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit behind and it depends on the style of music and the player and the musicians and everything like that. But there's just so much more to it. And just, I, I really, and I'm, I remember that question. I'm like, boy, no wonder he was so confused at that. And that- <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a, um, you know, being at, at this, you know, ripe old age in my forties, um, it, it it's interesting. It's just like I want to now do different things 
um, than I did. And um, I, I took a couple lessons over the last week um, online, which have been phenomenal. And uh, with like, you know, this one guy, uh, his name's Justin Scott. And if you don't know him, like follow him on Instagram. The guy is, is a dedicated player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love talking with him as well because he's like, man, I don't really gig that much. I don't do the session thing. I really focus on practicing and I, I focus on teaching. He wants to be a teacher. Like that's his calling and he's brilliant at it. But, um, we both talked about, um, like the, I guess the younger, the, the kids coming up, um, you know, there's this new school of you've got everything around you. You've got your YouTube. You've got everything's written out. You can play something into a program and it notates it for you perfectly. But what that's also done, that's killed the art of listening. And that's killed the art of what, you know, never mind what the proper gain structure is. How does it sound? Yeah. How does it feel? How does it move? And he was talking about how he'd, you know, be teaching students and he'd be getting these, you know, fairly complicated pieces of music at them and they've got no problem, you know, running through the piece of music. And then he'd pull the piece of music off and go, let's play. And they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like they're just trained in a different era. And I'm not saying one is better or one is worse. They're they're just very different. But they had been you know, trained from the mathematical aspects of what music and drumming is. And, um, you know, our generation has, we had to come up playing, you know, by ear. And he talked about he got started playing drums before he had a uh, drum kit at the house. He would air drum to records, you know, while he was going and wait to go to church on Sunday to, to, to go through them. And what he found really interesting, he could accurately practice like that because he was still training his mind of, okay, listen, listen really hard to what is that hi-hat pattern doing? And then visualizing what that was um, and making the connection with the music rather than the math. Um, And like, so I I think when you get into those, you know, I'm a huge like 70s funk and uh, 70s rock fan. And when you listen to those records, like they are locked in, man. Even when you get into like, you know, the the pop music at the time, the Jackson 5 stuff, if you pull all those individual tracks away, they are nowhere near where, you know, the mathematical center should be. Um, But boy, they played well together. You know, they were all listening to each other and going, how can I support what you're doing? And that seems to be kind of maybe getting a little bit lost in this technological era. There's certainly still plenty of people that understand it. If you've ever been to a Tedeschi truck show, um, you know, watching 12 people get on stage and nobody stepping on each other's toes mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is truly an exceptional feat. Um, but they do it, you know, very easily. And it's all... Like, how, how do we listen? Um, I know enough about, you know, my instrument that I'm just going to play here and I'm going to spend my time listening to what everybody else is doing and try to, you know, get in where you fit in. And so, you know, those are all things that just come with time. Aaron Sterling did this um, recording 
uh, I think there's like 10, you know, videos in it. And he goes everything from drum sounds, mic positions, miking. Like, I mean, it, I, I wanted to do something like that. And so I was like, okay, well, let's see what he did. And after watching it, I decided to not do something like that because there was <laughs> no way I could come up with something as complete and well put together and executed that he did. I was like, no, he's done that. I'm not going down those. But uh, one thing uh, he talked about. What is that? it? What is it? Where? Um, it, it's Aaron Sterling's. Uh, it's his. If you could just go to his website. Yeah. And you should. Like, I think every drummer needs to watch all of these videos because there is some knowledge in there that it, it is just next level um, stuff. And that's why he's a top dude. It's like, yeah. it's, um, he yeah. just gets music at a level. Some people don't, but one of the most incredible things he said was, um, be your best engineer. Um, and he was like, if you're going to be a recording drummer, well then understand what that looks like. Understand from the engineer's perspective of what the mics are hearing and mm -hmm. know how to get them that sound because the artist doesn't know how to get that sound. They just know that they want that thing. And so it's your job to communicate. And, you know, in Nashville and probably out in L.A., we we get very spoiled to have such um, phenomenal engineers here like we really do. We get mm -hmm. um overly spoiled with you know going to blackbird and having the the this incredible mic selection of you know here's vintage neumanns and all this stuff but what if you don't have that and what if you get called to do this session where you know they're flying you out to some cabin in the woods and we're going to make a vibey record mm -hmm. um and you don't have all the gear and you don't have the engineer well how do you get your stuff and so like he talks about being able to communicate with the engineer of, Hey, I need you to take more of the overheads in this, you know, let's pull, um, let's pull the snare mic almost out of the mix and go with overheads. And I, I was like, yeah, but why is that important? Because after they do that, they're probably going to put that back in when they mix the record. And then it occurred to me, it was like, because that's the vibe of creating the piece of music that, he's been perceived to have given direction from the artist. And if you want that vintage thing, well, it's all about, you know, room mics. So as drummers, if like he's setting the tone of here's what the record's going to feel like, then everything else is going to fall into line. And like, so really it might be the most important thing is learning how to communicate with the mics and the engineer at, at a language level of what, you know, if the artist wants x sound okay well i know what that is i know how to get it in my drums and then i've got to learn how to communicate that to the mic and the room and the song and it was like so there's there's a lot to it there's a i was thinking the other day i'm just like really getting into putting my own studio together and we kind of maybe are a little screwed as drummers because when a guitar player or a bass player wants a new sound they can literally hit a pedal doesn't mean they don't spend hours dialing in amps and that's not important or um but when as drummers we want a new sound well, now we've got to change out an entire drum or do a complete different tuning and that drastically affects how everything else works together mm -hmm. right um so it makes it like it's a lot to know but um you know I, I think it's really important that you know even if you don't have fancy studio gear 
you know, get a $30 little Behringer mixer and a, and a $20 mic and put it in front of your drums and mess with EQ and listen. And like, what does it sound like? What, what is it doing? It's important. A couple takeaways from what you're saying. Uh, first of all, I think you should do a video. I, I will go check out. Uh, <laughs> what Aaron, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Oh, oh, I will check out what Aaron's doing. But I was just watching uh, a couple videos today on Instagram of guys saying, "Hey, look, here's um, here's my setup. Here's what I'm doing." And I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch as many as I can. I don't care who you are or what you are because. Because I'm not going to have everything that Aaron's got. So I, if if my buddy down the street is saying, "Hey, look, I want to show you my studio setup," I want to watch it because I want to see how he's working with the gear that he has, and I want to give him some views because he's my buddy and whatever. You know, I I just I yeah. want to do that, and I, I want to see what you're doing. Um, the other thing is is I think what Aaron is saying is in this current climate of technology there's a lot of songwriters and there's a lot of producers out there that will use virtual drum programs and guess what they're they don't feel they don't feel like they need to call you but if somebody is calling you they're not only calling you to play drums they're calling you to uh, uh create a drum part to create a drum sound um, to be the expert in the room, not just be the drummer, mm-hmm. but be the drum, be the expert, the percussion expert, to uh, fill the fill that role, fulfill that role that uh, a songwriter, a producer, an engineer needs, and 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 so you you create value, mm-hmm. uh, and that and that's and you get called and hired again to do that. So you bring your vibe. And you also, I think, I'm guessing what Aaron is saying is like, learn how to use the studio as an instrument. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. I was born in London, England, and my, my dad was a, uh, a very successful drummer. Um, he's played with, um, my God, everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I remember talking Jeff, Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, uh, Mark Bolin, you know, and the T-Rex group, and played on just some phenomenal records. Um, you know, play the stuff he did with Bowie, especially. I, for me, I think is incredible. Um, and so... You know, at times I remember it's like, oh, it must have been great, you know, having having your, you know, your dad who's this huge success and you play drums and like it was hard, man. Like those were big shoes to try and fill. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it was good because my dad was a um, and is um, he was, a, I guess you could say, probably a, a, a harsh critique. But I'm so grateful for it now because I know what good is. Yeah. You know, it was like I would come up with something I'd, that I would think was cool. And he'd like, ah, listen to the way Buddy Rich played that same kind of thing. And you would, you know, so he tuned that tuned my ear in that way. And mm-hmm. so growing up with that was was interesting. And, um, you know, the family kind of kind of fell apart when um, I was about 13. And then I was always just playing drums through this. But um uh, then I just became like a real, uh, I was a bad kid, man, to be honest. Like I got it, I got into drugs. I was selling drugs. I was skipping school. 
I was literally getting high all day and just playing drums. And um, that led to some potential legal issues that came up. And um, at 15, in fact, I, I think I just turned 16. I've actually been going back and kind of looking at this timeline. I was like, I'm out. Um, and I was I was born in London, England. So I've got a uh, UK passport. And so at 16, um, I moved to London and, um, just kind of left it all, quit school. Um, was just like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to be famous. Watch this. (laughs) And, um, you know, my dad, I was like, dad, I'm going to go do this. He was like, well, I mean, that's kind of what I did, you know? And, and same thing. He started his career when he's very young. Um, and so I moved to moved to England and I moved in with my brother, who's also a drummer um, and a, another very successful one. He's had, you know, countless uh, big gigs. He's just uh, the tour he did last year was with Paul Rogers, um, you know, and they did the Paul Rogers, Jeff Beck tour. Um, you know, so Vinny's on drums there and, um, you know, I, I, just a, incredible stuff. So I moved in with him and he's working. I'm trying to figure it out and. Then I moved uh, moved to London by myself when I was about 17 and always just playing when I could. But there were certainly plenty of construction jobs and uh, working in factories and whatever I had to do. Like those times taught me how to survive. Um, and I, that might be one of the reasons I'm not freaking out right now mm-hmm. um, yeah. is I'm not opposed to picking up trash and driving trucks and mopping yeah. floors because I've done it before. Sure. And and it'll be okay and we'll get through it, you know? And so I started really getting my drumming education, you know, recording in London, got to finally start working with some producers and, um, gigging and had some great friends and some great experiences. But, um, ultimately after, you know, I think it was probably five, six years. I can't remember. I need to really get this timeline together. Um, I decided to move back to Tennessee and I was, I think I was 24. So it's actually longer than that, whatever that timeline adds up to be. And, but your dad, uh, your got, dad, you, the reason you were in Nashville, because your dad moved here, right? When you were correct, about two years yeah. old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, in fact, I'll talk to my dad. You need to have him on this show. His story is, is truly fascinating. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah he, and I, I'm sure he'll, he'll tell you everything. But, um, yeah, we moved over here. It was kind of a, a, a crazy story. My dad was playing with Mark Boland from uh, uh, T-Rex, and Mark died in a, in a car wreck. And my dad and Mark uh, were close friends. And so my dad, I think, not knowing what to do and um, being a an, an heavy alcoholic at the time and drug addict, just kind of figuring out what he's going to do. And, and I'm on the way. Like, I'm... I'm in womb at this point. And so um, my dad calls up his friend, Roger Cook, who and Roger's a um, great songwriter. And, uh, you know, apparently he said, well, why don't you come to Nashville? I'm, I'm over here, you know, making country music, which I must I have to assume must have sounded absurd, you know, to come from Jeff Beck to, you know, we're going to play on Don Williams records. But. <laughs> anyway, he comes over here, my dad being my dad, like his career is just blessed. I think he literally like within his first couple sessions had, you know, played on like a Crystal Gale hit that had just, you know, Jeez. blown up. Yeah. Um, and it just like blessed career. Like God is, is been with him from the beginning. Cause like he, we've even talked about it now and 
you know, I've tried to strategize my career and do all this. And it's like, really, when you look at it, everything I've done has just been totally random running into somebody. Hey, do you want to do this? Can you do that? And it'd be like, okay, yeah, his was the same. He just seemed to have this luck that he would run into everywhere he went. Um, and so at that point, um, he decided to, uh, move me and my mom over Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, of course, so as far as I was concerned, um, I was too young to really remember, uh, much of anything in England. Um, in fact, I don't remember any of it and grew up in Franklin, Tennessee and, you know, played drums, did whatever bands I could get into marching bands and whatever. And, uh, my dad at the time went, uh, he was doing, you know, sessions and then he ended up with the crystal Gale gig, which he did for, Gosh, I, w- I want to say like 10, 15 years. And then wow. from that, he moved to the Everly Brothers here as well as, you know, picking up anything else he could get. But I'm curious about your time in London, kind of how that maybe prepared you for getting back to Nashville. Was that possible? Yeah, man. So London was interesting. London's got quite a, a diverse thing with it where like when I was there, there were these amazing like funk jams that would happen all over the place. And I'm a kid that grew up on um, Metallica and Pantera. Like I thought the most important thing I could do, um, was play sextuplets with my feet. I thought if I could do that, everybody's going to want to work with me. (laughs) So, you know, it was like, um, you know, you get to London and, and I've got my great friend, uh, Wendon Davis, who's an incredible percussion player. And, um, he started getting me into, into pocket really he's like man you got you got really good feel you you just seem to be overdoing it a lot and he was totally right and so it was again it was like finding my voice and learning space and that was through having great mentors and having Mm. great um producers and great leaders and some very harsh critics i mean i can't tell you the amount of times i got yelled at um, for either not being in the pocket playing too fast playing too slow overplaying all of the things we've all done um, and sometimes maybe don't want to admit, well, my hands up, I did them all a lot. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think some of that was being the son of Tony Newman Mm. and, you know, the brother of Richard Newman. It was like, I've, I've got to find my voice. I've got to, I've got to be faster than them. I've got to be better. I've got to do this thing. And like my dad's a, a pocket King like that. It, he just sits down and it just feels good. Mm. And my brother is quite possibly one of the greatest rock drummers that's ever hit the planet. Like he found his niche and he does that. And nobody violently attacks a drum kit like my brother does. Mm. And so like, I'm like, okay, my dad's doing the slinky thing. My dad, uh, my brother's doing the aggressive thing. Where's my voice? Where, where do I fit in? And Mm. I spent years trying to figure out what that was and what it looked like and, and how it worked. But, you know, I, I was able to take a lot of those experiences and a lot of those mistakes mainly as well. And so when I came to Nashville, I had already had the shit beat out of me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, although I'm very familiar with this town, nobody really knows me yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was very lucky to not make a lot of the same mistakes that I maybe made in London of, uh, you know, just being over the top. And, you know, then 
you know, I kind of realized that there was a lot of personality mistakes as well. Um, I think I had boasted my own insecurity with arrogance a lot of times. And I'm, I'm really not an arrogant guy. I'm just scared. Like I'm insecure about my playing. I'm insecure about who I am as a human. And so, you know, we all mask those things with other personality, um, dysfunctions and, you know, and it was like, as you know, like part of getting the gig is, is being fun to be around. If I got to be stuck on a bus with somebody for 18 hours, it'd really be great if they weren't unpleasant. And (laughs) I realized that I've been very unpleasant at times. And, you know, just through my own uh, frustration of, oh, I I should be having this better gig. I should do that. And I should do this. And um, probably, you know, trying to, um, you know, impress my dad, wanting to get a gig where Mm. he was like, wow, you know, good job. Cool. You're living up to the family name. Sure. And rather than just focusing on being Louie. And I think, you know, on these, um, you know, in my midlife at this point, that that's really the thing is like just being me. And, you know, now I'm in in such a a grateful spot, you know, getting the uh, Gretchen Wilson gig was just great. Cause like I've had enough bad gigs and bad artists and to where now it's like, I get her. I'm not trying to prove anything anymore. She's not trying to prove anything. Like we're buddies. I'm like, Oh, we're just communicating and we're just having fun and we're enjoying the process of making music and enjoying each other. But, uh, you bring up a really good point though. It it, it is interesting that I, there's a time and a place for gigs in your life and you can plan only so much in this business and you're going to have to just dodge and weave however and make the best of opportunities that come your way but sometimes opportunities come at the wrong time like Mm -hmm. what you were saying about Gretchen she's at peace she's not trying to prove anything she's already done it so she's probably more relaxed I'm guessing you can correct me if I'm wrong probably more relaxed individual as well as you are I mean if if you got this gig when you were 26 it might be you, 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 you were, I'm sure you could handle the gig, but you might have been so like, oh my God, I'm playing with Gretchen Wilson and, and right. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta prove to her that I can do this. And, and, and she'd probably be like, this guy's a basket case next. Right. It would have been a disaster and mm-hmm. it would have broken me. It literally would have broken me. And, mm. um, now it's like, I'm capable of this gig. I've got thousands of gigs in my back pocket. I've learned millions of songs. Um, I don't feel, you know, although I, I still, every time I pick up a drum kit, I'm, I'm nervous always. Um, and I, I think that's something, you know, a lot of people maybe don't like to admit, or maybe I'm just a freak and I'm literally just scared most of my life. I don't know. One of the two, but it's just like, okay. I, I know I'm capable. I know I've got all this stuff, but I, I still have those nerves. But, you know, at this point, it's like, um, you're right. You know, if I'd have had this gig 10 years ago, um, it would have been a very different mindset. And I'd have been all about, oh, you know, doing this artist gig and doing that. And now it really feels like I get to play with this incredible singer who's got some really cool songs Mm-hmm. And like, I, I feel that I'm capable of bringing something to the stage, not in an arrogant way, just I'm, I'm, I'm good enough now. 
um, both in my my spirit and my playing yeah. to where I don't have to go out there and overdo it. I can play appropriately with the band. I've tried to take as much of self, you know, ego out of the equation and be comfortable with being a drummer. We're, we're not in the back um, to be the star of the show. We're in the back because that's our place. Like we're the foundation of this building. Um, don't, you know, hold it down. Like where, where's the one you've got to lead the rest of everybody right, else right. to where it is. Well, can you, can you tell us how the gig came about uh, or what's kind of required of you on yeah, stage? Yeah, sure. So, um, one of my good buddies, Ethan Pilzer is probably, um, he's one of my favorite bass players on the planet. Um, he would, you know, was out with big and rich and he's done, you know, he's played with everybody, but he's just a, beast of a bass player and he and i have always just locked in like i was talking before like when you get with somebody that you just have an equal amount of vocabulary um when he and i sit down we don't have to argue um or even discuss where the pocket is it's just known um and we had always like enjoyed playing together and we had kind of crossed paths or whatever and we were always like, man, it'd be great if we could, you know, get out with something. And uh, Gretchen approached him and and was like, hey, I, I, I want to go out and do some dates. You think you can help me put a band together? Um, and Ethan called me up. And he and I were actually playing in a, a band called Halfway to Hazard for a while. Yeah. And then that's how we got, mm -hmm. you know, really jamming out. And so when Gretchen approached him, he was like, dude, you're my first call. You want to? I was like, yes, yes, I awesome. want I want to go do I want to go do this gig. And so. We, um, she called once the Ethan had kind of put the band together. Um, Gretchen said, all right, I want to meet everybody and see if you guys are cool. And, uh, um, she took us out to this place in, in Franklin. We just had a, you know, a couple beers and a sandwich. And, uh, I just knew we were going to get along. Like it was like, okay, cool. She's, she's just cool. Now she is specific in what she wants and, she has an ear that freaks me out at times. <laughs> um, she hears everything. Um, and she knows what she's talking about, which I think intimidates people a lot of times. Like she may not be able to tell me drum stuff um, in the language that I would you know, like to talk drum stuff. But she knows when something's wrong and she'll be like, hey, that's not right. There's something up there and she wants specific things, yeah. but she also wants it to rock. So once we've got like the core, her bits that she wants yeah. in there, yeah. she wants us all to be a personality and she wants the band to rock. She goes, I want to get up there. I want to do, you know, let's do Zeppelin mm -hmm. and let's just, if you guys want to express yourself, express yourself and providing we're not fumbling over each other's feet and stepping on toes and, you know, ruining the hits. Um, she lets us go which is like there are not many artists on the planet that are comfortable enough in themselves to let that happen. So when we go out, man, we, we play, oh, um, awesome. and then we hang out and she's, she's super cool. And like, we, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity. She's got a beautiful studio out at her house and we've done some recording out there and she's kind of got her own label now. And, um, we've been working on some of that stuff with her and, um, you know, with, you've just got to know, with her especially and like I respected her right off the bat because I literally believe she's one of the best vocalists we've heard 
um, in decades. So I was like, okay, this girl knows what's up. But then when you get to see her natural music ability, like she didn't go to music college, she didn't do any of the standard things. This is a girl that hears notes and knows how music goes together. Um, and if you'll really dig in and like, listen to what she's bringing to the table, um, man, there's just a wealth of stuff I've learned from her, you know, just by keeping my mouth shut and going, what does she mean by that? And then realizing like, oh, she's talking about like deep pocket concepts and tones and where they fit. And like, she's a really smart girl and, uh, you know, don't piss her off, but, uh, <laughs> she, she knows what's going on. That's amazing, <laughs> man. Yeah. She's, she's been great, man. And, you know, between that and, uh, playing downtown and session stuff and doing some teaching. It's, uh, I've kind of found, you know, I, I even told my dad this, I, I was, I was like, you know, I think over the last couple years, I've kind of gotten in touch with, with who I am and what I'm about. And I, I said, dad, you know, it's really weird. I think I've spent the, um, the majority of my life trying to come up with a career you'd be proud of. And mm. now I've found one that I'm proud of. Um, and it, it's, it's my career and it, it's like, it's, it's works to all the levels that I want it to. And I've, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but you know, I, I did record label stuff for years. I was yeah. doing, you know, management, tour management, A and R and all this stuff because I thought that's what you do. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, well I want, I want to be successful in business and I want a nice house. And so you, you got to do that. And it like, it never occurred to me that I could just play drums and enjoy my life and mm -hmm. be me and be authentic and be real. And that would be enough. Um, and as it turns out, it was, and everything was going phenomenal. And now the pandemics happened and we're all just going to have to stay home and get better at our instruments. Get better. <laughs> um, the, the first gig when we get back, is just going to be like some ridiculous chops fest for the first hour of look what I've been practicing. Yeah. It's going to be either that or a disaster or, I mean, cause I, man, I have friends that don't have drums at home. Or, Ooh. you know, or, or, uh, or people that are just kind of taking a break for whatever reason. But I think yeah. you and you and I are kind of cut from the same, like, we just have this urge to continue to practice and stuff. Absolutely. You, so you and I have, we cross paths a, a, a lot for, for a little while. Uh, you were out band leading and playing drums with your wife. And I was playing with uh, Savannah Jack. And so we were doing mm -hmm. a lot of the same showcases. I kind of, I was re reminded of a funny thing that happened. I, f I have to apologize because I'm thinking back. So Gwen Sebastian is your wife and she was on yep. The Voice and she's uh, been doing some some incredible stuff in the last uh, few years, but even before that, you guys were an amazing group. You had an amazing group of musicians that were were doing everything, original mm -hmm. and playing all kinds of things and, and working 200, 250 dates a year. And Savannah Jack, the band that I was in, we were trying to do the same thing. So we ended up at this showcase together. And there was all these bands, and those showcases were hilarious. And sometimes yeah, you'd see some cool acts, and you know you'd be in the middle of like you know Pennsylvania, and 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 some of these, and you were like on the country stage or whatever, and there'd be right. these tribute acts, and you're like, are you serious? Like, how does this person work? And so there was a band. It was a Tim McGraw tribute band, and their drummer hadn't showed up. Do you remember this? 
And oh my god! So we were all we were all uh, sound checking, and you guys were there, and um, like, hey, can you guys help us out? Like, our drummer's not here. We need a sound check. He'll be here for the show, but I, I we need a drummer to play. I'm like, yeah, I might be able to help you out. And then you guys were up and sound checking, and like, hey, we're next. And I'm like, you know what, Louie will do it. <laughs> 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 and you look at me and you go, thanks, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going back to the room. I'm taking a nap. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this. I need a nap. Oh, my God. Those were some – it was so bizarre. Do you remember, like, the feeling of, like, especially in that scene, and not that any of us were, you know, B musicians or anything, but it's kind of like the B scene. Um, and you're just trying to carve a living out of it. And I remember being at those showcases and, like – legitimately being nervous of like, Oh, if I could, if we just get this showcase going, like everything will be, will be good. We'll get plenty of work. Everything will be good. And I was like, man, you really do like have to watch what you focus on because it was like, we should have just been having fun at those times. Man, that whole scene was crazy. And we were doing the same thing and working all that, all that time. And Oh my God! I yeah, kind of had the opposite. The- I had a lot of fun at those because I knew that, like Savannah Jack, especially in certain points, was just such a kick-ass unit. Yeah. That when you guys were playing there too, I'm like, oh, okay, shit. I hope we get work too because these guys are killing it. Uh, but but a lot of times, if you guys weren't there or there other weren't weren't other good acts, we're like, you know what? We're just going to clean this shit up. And we're just going to go in. Yeah. And people, you know, people are going to. So I kind of enjoyed that. Maybe just the e- the egotistical side of me. I just right. knew that. Uh, well, no, it wasn't about me, though. I, I knew that Don would bring it, you know. Um, but you guys together as a unit, there was just energy from, from every person on the stage. Um, and but, it was just playing. Do you remember? Like, I mean, when you play that much together, because, you know, we were playing six nights a week, yep. four hours a night. Yep. Um, I don't care who you are. If you just put that much time on stage and on your instrument, you will get better. Um, there's no way around it. And I think, you know, that whole thing came up like, you know, when I first met Gwen, um, you know, she had this great voice and great songwriter. I was like, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you signed to this major deal? And she's like, ah, I've been shopping around. Nobody's, you know, nobody's biting. I was like, I, I don't believe that. So sure enough, we went and shopped it around and nobody was biting. And then I was like, well, let's just go on the road. You know, this is really good. And we were, um, I, I got Gwen in, I, I was working with a guy named Jason Jones who had a, um, a deal with RCA at the time. Yeah. And we yeah. Were kind of I was a yeah, Warner so, Brothers. I, I played with him for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't and know so, you did that. That's cool. Yeah, I, we we were probably his first band, and Gwen came in and was doing uh, the backing vocals for the band. I was like, we've got to get you on the road, and like we um, took took around all the booking agents, and that like just nothing was panning out. And I was like, screw it, it can't be that hard. And I literally just started making hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to every place I could find on the planet. And 1% of every 100 calls would call me back. And 1% of those 100, you'd actually book a gig out of, you know, so to carve, um, essentially within a couple years to carve 250 dates out a year um, out of thin air was like just sheer determination. And I think that's 
that's part of this business as well. Like you got to be, you got to want it because yeah, if you don't, yeah. there's somebody else. And it was like, I wasn't getting artist gigs. I wasn't doing the amount of session work I was doing. Um, but I do want to play drums. So how does this work? Well, you're going to have to become a booking agent for a while. Okay, let's make it happen. And that all led to that thing. And then, you know, eventually, you know, um, we, we'd actually created a, a very successful, um, little company. And I don't, I think people don't, get that a lot of times we're all thinking like you know um what's the big thing you know we, are we doing the big thing is that it well what about just a really small business that you're comfortable with um mm-hmm. that makes you a great living and you know gives you some security and some purpose and some certainty and sometimes we forget about that and i think that's kind of unique to our business um i can't remember who said this to me once but they were like you know, if, if, if I came to you and said, I'm going to, I'm going to start up a restaurant, you'd be like, okay, cool. Um, and we talk about it and it would be assumed it'd probably be like a small restaurant with 10, 15 tables and all like that. But in the music business, when you're like, um, oh, I'm going to try and be an artist. The first thing we go to is, are you, are you going to be as big as Taylor Swift? Mm-hmm. Um, well, why, why do we go there? You know, it's like, well, well I, I don't know. Why don't, why don't we just be comfortable with, maybe a small business that that's fun and we enjoy what we're doing like a and you're doing you know, what bring you want to do right. yeah to bring up like you know tedeschi trucks again i think they they legitimately got it right they were just like we're gonna be really good at what we do um and they were never like trying to i mean of course they were all trying to carve a living out and but but you know what i mean it was like instead of thinking how do we get to arenas they're thinking no how do we get to people Mm-hmm. Um, and right. instead of doing, they could easily do a Bridgestone gig. They don't, they do five nights at the Ryman instead. Why? Cause it's cooler. It connects better, you know? And it, it's like, that's what we really need to be doing. It's about connecting. And especially in this, this crazy world we're in now, especially like, you know, I'm so grateful to have all the technology we have, but you know, I'm sure you remember as well, like when it was all kind of face to face, it was, it was just different. Mm -hmm. Um, and you had just, you know, I didn't have anywhere near the amount of relationships I do now, but the ones I had, I felt like were maybe a bit more impactful. Um, and you just had to dig in a little different. And so it, it's, it's just different now. And we got to, we, figure that out you know are there things that you've learned from so uh, with what's been going on with gwen over the last five six years from going on to the voice and then uh going on tour um with blake shelton and working with some with with miranda as well miranda lambert yeah she's actually yeah she's with miranda now i guess miranda miranda got her in the divorce and uh (laughs) you know since then, you know, she got to she wrote several songs on Miranda's okay. uh, wow. Waited Waited These Wings records mm-hmm. and uh she's been touring with her uh full time now for the last three or four years. So yeah, I mean it yeah, it worked out it worked out amazing for her. You know, it it's been it's been incredible. But uh what have you taken away from this experience? When you guys when when she started doing more of that uh with 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 those those two artists and you're like Oh wow! Okay, that's a part of the music business I didn't know, and that's good to know. Yeah, it was, it was such an eye opener for me. Of like, you know, when we started carving out this business, and like, 
me kind of arrogantly just going, I'm just going to book gigs. I don't, I don't know how to book gigs, but I'm just going to start booking gigs and doing that. And like we built this thing and then really, um, the greatest thing we could do was for Gwen to go do these gigs, you know, it being with, you know, Blake and Miranda and being, you know, essentially her next step was this much bigger stage. Um, you know, but as a player and her husband, it was like, man, I'm like, what am I now? Mm-hmm. And it, it was another, like, it was a moment like you just had to take a breath and go, Oh, okay. I'm going to reinvent what this is now. And there was, you know, probably for a few, cause we had toured like my whole life was about driving the truck, playing the gig, setting up the PA, booking the shows, advancing the shows. Like that was my world. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know what? Gwen's going to be so much better off to take this Avenue um, you know, for her career, that was the right move for her, but it was like, okay, what's that mean to me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was probably for a good year of just kind of like, I don't really know what this means. And then you start playing with other people and you, you know, again, we're back to being in a pandemic. It's change. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. The things you thought that were, weren't. And like when we were looking at Gwen's career, um, being, you know, with major artists were never on the list of like possibilities of how this may pan out, you know, when you're doing your strategic planning of your business. Um, but that was God's plan and it was way better than anything we could have planned. And, you know, then that reconnected me with, um, instead of doing 10 other jobs, you know, instead of being on the label side, instead of being in publishing, instead of being tour logistics, booking agency, like all of these other jobs, what if you just played drums? (laughs) And what if you got honest about just playing drums and, you know, being um, uh, out there, it was like, you know, I I even, (laughs) I ended up in in therapy over it. It was like, I remember my, my therapist saying, well, what's wrong with just being you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, you're creating all this purpose. And instead of creating all this purpose, why don't you just be you? And I was like, wait, so what you're suggesting is I quit doing all of these other things I've done um, completely, which is everything I know, mm-hmm. and go back to doing something I love and just assume that it's going to be okay. And she looks at me and goes, yep. And I was like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> what, 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 what world are you in? You know? And, uh, I realized like that was the absolute greatest advice I've ever got was like to stop trying to be in control mm. and just be, and just be me. And, and like getting comfortable with that, I think, um, for many years, it, it was like, especially in the entertainment, they're like, it's tough, man, because there's like this need to create this facade um, of what we're doing and who we're playing with, and where we're going and all this, you know, we're always talking shit, essentially, of what, 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 who's doing what and who we're all moving and shaking. And I was like, I need to just take a breath and just go, man, I'm just going to chill I'm going to get as good as I can about playing drums. And 
get honest about it um, and go, okay, my left hand's really freaking weak. Um, (laughs) So I can either keep bullshitting um, all this stuff, you know, that I can do that, that doesn't point any of that out. Or I could just go, man, I'm not real good at that and I'm going to get better at it. And then you start working towards it. And before you know it, you've made, you know, incredible uh, leaps and bounds towards things you couldn't previously do. So I I, I think, again, it was like life kind of forced me to park the ego. And every time the ego goes away, great things happen. And they just always will, even in in change. If you make it about uh, who was a Zig Ziglar said, "Get anything you want out of life if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want." Oh, I love that. And so, if we focus on like what others need, you know, what does everybody? What can I do to be part of your party and part of your band and part of the bigger picture? What it was, and, and it was like all of a sudden, everything just kind of opens up, mm-hmm. um, you know. But like over the last three years, my career has been, um, you know, more lucrative than I think it's ever been. I've felt more, um, secure in what I'm doing. I've found happiness and peace in accepting what I have rather than spending all my time thinking about what's the next step. How do I get to the next level? What's the next thing? Um, and that's a big thing, like as musicians in general, you know, not just drummers, we sometimes get so hyper-focused on the gigs we don't have um, that we're probably being disrespectful to the ones we do. That's and, a good point, yeah. Yep. You know, it's like I, I'm really grateful to where I'm at. You know, and, I'm, I'm finding gratitude in a pandemic and just going, cool, I'm going to play drums. I'm going to hang out with my wife and walk my dogs a lot. I'm going to have seven naps and 18 meals, and it'll still be today. Um, it's, it's the greatest, it's the greatest time to be alive ever. I've, you know, I'm retired at 40. This is great. I hope what some people take out from this is, or take away from this is it's important to be comfortable with who you are because that's why people are coming unglued. They can't sit with themselves. Mm. Um, and we're, in a society, um, you know, we're, um, you know, I, I think we're around the, the same age or, you know, when, when we were coming up, we didn't have, you know, Facebook and, mm-hmm. and all this distracted life, um, to where when you start to remove distractions and you're left with you, do you like who you are? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. We're being questioned at this point. Like yeah. I have no doubt we're going to see a rise in divorces. We're going to see a rise in all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's like now you're being tested of are you good with you? Are you good with your wife? Are you centered in what you make your purpose about? We got to learn to work together. We got to learn to listen to each other. We got to learn that without us, there isn't me. Like, you know what I mean? If, if we don't think about what we're doing in relation to what everybody else is doing, um, it won't matter because there's nothing there anyway. Um, and I think, you know, maybe we start to realize that a bit and, um, but you got to start asking good questions. You know, what, what is it you want and what, what do you want and why do you want it? 
Um, and that'll listen, you, you can eat 10 hours a day just doing that up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I think for a lot of us, you know, especially drummers that like, that like to spend a lot of time in the practice room or whatever, they're like, you have to be quarantined. We're like, okay, sure. Great. You yes. Got, you got perfect. it. Well, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> My moment to shine. As <laughs> I was, uh, I was telling you, you know, I, I had a couple lessons over the last couple of weeks and one of them was the, with Justin Scott, who, um, for your listeners as well, if you want to see just a phenomenal player and educator, um, he goes, uh, it's Jay Scott Drummer on Instagram. Awesome. Um, and I, I also got together with uh, Jerome Flood and uh, we were just talking different things. And but Justin made me laugh. I was like, man, how's this affecting you? He goes, this is what I do every day. I know. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I just I, I teach online. Um, because some of my students have changed, but other than that, I just play drums all day, and this is what I've done for the last decade. So everything's fine. Everything's. I'm fine. like, ah, oh, okay, good. Somebody else that's not completely losing it, you know. I know. I feel it, sorry for the bands funny. that I, I mean, I haven't played with Savannah Jack for like three years, four years, but I mean, those guys, they were tra- traveling and playing and being on off yeah. cruise ships have been. That's been the thing, and so that's all stopped but i want to thank you so much man i i say this all the time i feel like i get together these notes and an outline and i'm ready to ask certain questions and it always goes off the rails into much better territory (laughs) than i expected and i love it and i i just especially getting into all the practice ideas and these other things that i are going to remain relevant well beyond all this craziness, but certainly is super relevant now for so many of us that have the time and want to focus on growing uh, during this. So I appreciate Absolutely. that so much, man. And, and just well, thank you for having me, man. I was I was looking at some of the you know if the for some reason this happens to be the first podcast of yours that so many people listen to. Like check out the rest of the vocabulary of this podcast. There's some incredible interviews you've done, and I think what an, a great job you've done at putting it together Thank you, and Thanks. giving us all a um, you know somewhere to come and share our stories and um, get together and hopefully learn a little from each other. You know, well, you've 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 really opened up a lot. You've opened up your heart. You've opened up a lot uh, to us, man, and that that brings a lot of a, a piece to to so many of us that are trying to kind of figure this out. Uh, so I, I appreciate you, man. No problem, man. Well, let's all stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll get together real soon. I hope so, too, man. Thanks, Louie. I'll I'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Matthew. We'll see you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So there you go, my conversation with Louie Newman. Louie and I have known each other for a long time, and it was fun to have that conversation. He's been on my list to talk to since I started the podcast. We did some traveling together with the different bands that we were in and ran into each other on showcases and he always just sounded so great and just had such a command of the instrument with with confidence. I think you can tell he is a very humble spirit, but he's a he's a wonderful player and it's uh, no surprise that he was able to pick up work after uh, Gwen shifted gears in her career and he, Louis has continued to stay busy. So I appreciate his time uh, being a guest. At the top of the show, we talked about 19 Drummers Festival. Uh, go to the Facebook page, check that out, streaming on the weekends and and uh, other, other times as well for drummers to do everything, education, performance, clinic-type stuff, talk, uh, 
Uh, I'm going to try and figure out what to do uh, and do my part to contribute to that community. But please check it out. Let's support each other during this time. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Jordan Rose, a New York drummer who plays with Theo Katzman and Corey Wong. I'd like to do a shout out again to financial expert Michael Mercurio. In the show notes, you will find links to his organization. If you have any questions about financial assistance during this time, I urge you to seek Michael out. He's been a big supporter of the podcast. We did an episode with him as a guest a few months ago, and he has personally been a a strong advocate for self-employed and the music community. So I encourage you to find his information in the show notes here uh, on your phone or on the website. But for now, stay safe, stay positive, keep practicing everybody, and take advantage of this time to be with your loved ones. And uh, let's come out on the other side of this and uh, get back to work. And I hope to see you around. No, really, I do. Bye-bye.